0: Hello and welcome to the Foot School Podcast. I'm Andy Brummage. So what's new in the lower school curriculum? Actually, a lot. The school is getting chickens. Third graders will have some science classes in the lab. And we're reframing our approach to literacy. On January 30th, head of lower school, Chrissy Kochney and assistant head of school, Beth Mello, spoke to parents about how our curricular reviews are informing our academic program and staffing decisions, as well as the after-school program. Here's their talk. All
1: right, good morning and welcome. Um, There is some warm, toasty tea and coffee that way. If you'd like to grab something now or throughout the presentation, please feel free. Uh, This is a very flexible conversation. I'm excited you're all here. I'm excited that Beth is here with me. Um, We initially had set this sort of moment up to look and reflect at what we're doing and to share a little bit about what we're doing in the lower school in the fall when we communicated a change in our program with moving away from looping. And we specifically wanted to move and wait a little while to share some of what was happening because we knew that there were a lot of conversations underway and we knew that there were some really exciting programmatic things that we were going to be able to discuss with you. I want to sort of let you know about the three takeaways that we want to make sure that everybody feels like they've come and they've heard a little bit about today. One has to do with sort of some curricular work and the evolution of some of our program. The other part has to do to share a little bit about our staffing for next year. And then the other piece is talk a little bit about our after-school program, <clears throat> some work we've been doing out of curricular review and programmatic changes we want to make within our after-school program. OK? We can d- <coughs> This is for the podcast. Can everybody hear me okay? A little louder? Outdoor voice instead of indoor voice? <laughs> okay, I'll, <work> on, <laughs> I'll try and work on that. Um, one of the places that I wanted to start was with this idea that as a school and as a community, there are some really important core tenants that have been woven through the fabric of what we do for quite some time now. And as we look at the work that we're undertaking and the things that we're doing for our program, that these three areas, sustainability, experiential learning, and creativity, remain very much at the foundation of what we're doing and what we're looking at. With that, we also know for some of you who maybe joined me in Kasuth in the fall for our conversation around resilience or have heard some of the other conversations that we've been underway with since, we have added this sort of extra layer of how we look at developing our children to be resilient, resilient learners, and resilient individuals who are gonna go out into the world later in life. And what we know that the research shows us in terms of resiliency is that giving students real-world experience, giving them the opportunity to sort of grapple and tackle and plan, helps develop brillian- resiliency. Putting them in a creative environment helps to develop resiliency. And here at foot, the experiential learning piece, allowing them to be a little bit in the driver's seat, or in the older years, a lot in the driver's seat in their learning, really helps them to develop those skills that we want them to have for later on as they get older. We've also started to make a little bit of a shift, so this goes back to that part of the conversation of this idea of moving away from looping, of looking at our lower school in terms of our early years, K to two, and our older years from three to five. And one of the things that we learned out of our looping model is that when it works well, it worked well and that was great, but there were instances when the looping model just didn't work well for everyone, and in those moments, we were sort of limited by sort of the looping model in and of itself. The other piece is we wanted to look more specifically in the earlier years at some of our curricular expectations at each grade level, and we also wanted to take a moment to look at not only what standards of expectation we have, but what were the programmatic elements that we wanted to set specifically for students along the way in their experience. So globally, from K to two now, we're looking at an emphasis on foundational skills. And that's not that that wasn't there before, but we are just really looking very, very closely at how we execute on that. One of the things that we have been doing in pieces is a balanced literacy concept, and I'm gonna get a little bit more into that in a moment. We're just starting to really sort of label it in a way that we as FOOT can say this is our model of balanced literacy. If you go out and you Google balanced literacy, you're going to see a lot of information about what sort of that catchphrase means in education. But what we want to do is we want to make it fit right for foot. The mathematical mindset idea, again, out of some of the curricular reviews that have been underway, we have established some very specific beliefs that we have about math and about the way we want our students to engage and believe believe about math. We're gonna continue to look at experiential and project-based learning in the early years and what that looks like. And we're going to provide opportunities for the students to take action in developmentally appropriate ways. So that's sort of the umbrella of how we're looking at this K-2 experience that we're shaping in the lower school. Specifically looking at language arts, we, as I said, wanna start talking about our balanced literacy approach. These are components that we put into our balanced literacy approach as I mentioned, the idea that you can go and you can Google and learn about Balanced Literacy Approach. One of the things that you read about when you're talking about a Balanced Literacy Approach is um, this sort of word study idea. It's a, it's a very open ended, students manipulating, playing with words, playing with phonemes, playing with individual sounds, how they come together, how they come apart. We believe that that should be part of our program, but, but we leave a little bit deeper than that that what we're doing with our work with foundations is incredibly important, and in a true balanced literacy approach, you won't find something so prescriptive in that type of a program. We believe, for our students, that's critical,
0: and so we're making sure that that maintains part
1: of our definition of balanced literacy. When you look at language arts and you look at literacy, it also encompasses writing. We make sure that our students, and we are gonna continue to make sure that our students have different writing experiences that help shape them as a whole learner in the area of literacy. And so some of that plays out in the younger years in this idea of like interactive writing. Anyone who is in or has gone through kindergarten, bless you, knows that you probably have received a newsletter at the end of the day from your child's teacher. So that interactive writing piece, the student coming and helping to bring that writing, that letter, and that moment takes shape, is a critical part to helping to enable even our youngest writers to feel like writers, to go through the writing process, and to understand what that looks like. Social studies. So one of the things that isn't specifically called out here on the slides in any way, place, or form is this idea of interdisciplinary learning. And that's something that continues to be part of our work and what we do. The things that you do in writing are absolutely continued to, are connected with the work that you're doing in social studies and there's that overlay to it. That being said, we have done some really specific work in the last few years to look at how we structure our social studies programming and that is actually all the way K through nine. And I'm gonna let Beth jump in here wherever. Um, She's been leading a lot of these initiatives um, and can speak really specifically to some of the work that's happened in um, in those sort of review process in those moments. Specifically for social studies, we've moved towards and adopted the teaching tolerance framework. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about
0: Do you want me to wait until you kind of get through the K2 package and sure. then I can take it up here? Sure. you're here. We can do that. Great. All
1: right. So, we have these essential questions. You're actually going to see almost an identical slide for our three through five. Because the core tenets of what we're doing remains the same, how we execute it plays out differently. So. We are all looking at these essential questions of who am I, who are we, how do we share the world, and how do we shape the world. In our younger years, that's playing out um, through our body mapping project, through our first and second graders taking trips out into the community. Um, Again, none of this is necessarily completely new and things that we haven't done before, but it's how we're shaping it and how we're pulling those experiences together that is part of the work that we're doing. In mathematics, we have establish this idea from mathematical mindset that we have these specific beliefs about our students and about what it means to be a math learner. Um, Everyone can learn math. Everyone can make mistakes are valuable. Math requires creative and flexible thinking. Math is representative in different forms. Faster does not mean smarter. And questions are really important. And how that plays out in the younger years is getting the students really in math. And I go back to that resilience piece Feeling icky in math, feeling like you really have to grapple and struggle. So these are some um, first and second grade sort of experiences in terms of looking at making connections. So how could you solve this 125 plus 36? Is there only one way to solve that problem? And not necessarily telling the students ahead of time, there are four ways, figure out four ways to solve it. One student might come back initially and say, there's two ways to solve this problem. Another one might ask for another sheet of paper because they're really trying to demonstrate other ways to solve the problem. And that range and that experience of feeling comfortable with sort of that ambiguity in math is really, really important. The problem solving piece, um, you'll hear a lot of conversation, you probably have already from some of your classroom teachers about problem solving in specific areas where we set the students up with what we call low entry, high ceiling problems. So they're easy problems to get into, they're approachable, but the ability and the skills that are required to solve it There's a lot that the students can pull in to do that example. Um, Those of you who have third grade students uh, might have seen a problem come home earlier in the year or about a month or so ago where the students were asked to split the clock up into three equal parts where each part of the clock equaled the same value. Think about that again. You're going to divide the clock into three equal parts and each part is going to have the same value. So the students understand that they can add and they're going to add to try and figure that out but it also requires them to think spatially about how they're going to approach dividing up the clock. And I can tell you from experience, the result isn't exactly the direction you think that you're going to head when you start out. But those are the opportunities we want to provide for our kids, even in the younger years. Science. We have the same sort of belief, again, about getting the kids out, getting them doing, getting them investigating, getting them making predictions, um, and really interacting. In our (laughs) younger years, it starts with the outdoor learning. And it evolves and moves into the study of getting out into the community gardens, studying the butterflies. Um, we have, oops, I thought I had a picture there of the students who were um, investigating uh, their water study water versus air, what takes up space, and how does air take up space. So, again, it's getting them really to sort of think about these big, big concepts in ways that are approachable for them even in these early years. One of the things that we have also decided to do in our early years is to very specifically have our classes remain in homeroom for a lot of their experiences. Um, And we also scaffold. You'll notice I don't have a slide in the younger years that talks about technology. So those foundational skills is really where we have this specific focus for our K-2 to learners. When we get into third grade in this third to five experience, one of the things we've started thinking more about is how and what kind of experiences can we get the students in outside of their homeroom. Like yes, the younger years, the kids do go to specials, but for example, one of the things that we're looking to make a shift into is how we look at science in our early years, and in the third through fifth grade years. And so by that, we know that they have a homeroom-based science experience in third grade. We're actually making a purposeful shift to incorporate time for our third grade learners to go into the science lab starting next year. So it's a way to sort of maintain that developmentally appropriate. We know that they belong in their homeroom with their homeroom teacher for larger chunks of the day, but as we do in fourth and fifth, get them transitioning and moving more independently, we want to sort of bridge that gap a little bit and we want to be able to really extend the science program that we're offering in third grade. Um, The students in general in our third to five experience, we know that we want to help them sort of start to apply those foundational skills, we want to help them shape how they build and how they construct knowledge. We want them using those tools. It's that whole concept in a very simple level. Everybody's probably heard of this idea of the early years, you learn to read, and then you move on to read to learn. So that is sort of, on a very simple level, sort of how we're trying to really expand the knowledge building that they're doing. And also start to take a shift of helping them to really see how they can take action, not only in our community here at Foot but elsewhere, um, and really engaging them in that process um, in a a much deeper level than we do than in the earlier years. We're going to continue a balanced literacy approach. um, And that is going to take shape in some similar ways, in some ways where it sort of evolves a little bit differently. So we're still going to continue, obviously, doing spelling. We're going to continue having small groups reading. But the way that we're starting to expand and branch out that is how we approach our reading groups in the upper years. Having the kids take on roles and responsibilities in their reading groups that require them to come as the vocab person, that require them to come as the summarizer, and really get at those skills also in an interactive way, where they're sort of collaborating to do this learning, versus just sort of having it totally be teacher-led, that in this group they're gonna do this exercise, in this group that they're gonna do that exercise. But again, that idea of, idea of putting them in the driver's seat a little bit more. Obviously, in writing, it also expands as well. And they start to do more of this idea of editing and revising. And it's more responsibility on them to sort of take ownership over this in terms of how they conference with their students and how they put it into action. Um, It's not just sort of you need to fix the spelling or you need to fix that, but it's getting more open-ended feedback and sending them back in the writing process and helping them to think about what it is that they need to add to expand upon their work. Social studies, um, one of the things I wanted to highlight here is yes, we take field trips at all levels, but when we get into the upper grades, one of the things that is incorporated into our social studies um, uh, study and sort of this idea of then and now. So there's an element of that in the younger years, but as they get into third, fourth, and fifth, we know like in third grade they're going off to um, uh, Massachusetts to sort of get a sense of sort of the 1830s versus Connecticut now. Um, Same thing with the study in fifth grade, studying Mayan cultures, how does that compare and how is that compared to sort of what we are doing now. So we're starting to play with conceptual ideas that go a little bit deeper in the sense of kids are really trying to sort of grapple with some different concepts in terms of um, the work that they're doing. Math, again, we stay with these core tenants, but how it plays out is a little bit differently. Um, and some of you may recognize some of these experiences as well, where um, students in third grade even recently were asked to like measure what's around this idea of having sort of a set concept of how, what your wingspan is, how does that measure around different um, items in different areas and sort of having to grapple with that idea of what does it mean to um, you know, specifically have sort of this, this very concrete concept of a length, but then abstractly how can you use that in different ways and, and to understand different shapes around the classroom. Um, being able to sort of just plan out Thanksgiving dinner, what you need, how much your quantity is, and then the extension is coming up with sort of like your total costs for your trip to the store. Um, Science also takes a shift and is also more specifically moving toward the idea that you are going to kind of take some of the basic skills that you were doing in the younger grade um, and expand it out. We have our fourth graders here actually building a watershed in the science classroom and our fifth graders heading out to milford Audubon to really take a look at sort of the the sea life that they're going to find there and studying that. Um, I was just in the other day. And the students were working in fourth grade to understand how they could keep water hot. And that was literally, they were, that was their goal in the experiment. And then they had to do is they had all of these resources that Mr. Zelensky had laid out. And there was no sort of set directive. You must build your thermos to look like X. So you have thermoses that there was a criteria in terms of size and width, but you had sort of a, some of the students who were like, you know, go big or go home, like the bulkier, the better. Um, And then there was one group that had made a very sleek design, um, but everybody was testing out their own hypothesis, their own approach. um, And there was no sort of a, we're all gonna build a thermos and then we're gonna test it and then we're gonna see what it looks like. Um, And so again, just getting them more in the driver's seat in terms of trying to solve these problems and use the skills that they've developed in those early years. Technology also takes a shift and as I said, In the early years, there wasn't sort of a specific slide that speaks to this because we purposely are making a shift in third through fifth. Not only is it because the students have Chromebooks, I would say actually that that's a very small part of it in fourth and fifth grade, more so trying to look at more of the idea of what role does STEM play in our lives, how does technology, what is technology and how does it improve our lives? This idea that we're really starting to get them to, interact in a way that isn't just sort of about a device. It's about the thinking that goes behind it. Um, Third graders have been using spheros recently. Um, It's early introduction to coding, getting them familiar with the concept of coding and what that looks like, but then also getting them to execute on it and try it. Um, This picture here is some of our fifth graders doing connects kits, so getting them building and thinking and constructing and it's not just about sitting and doing sort of a typing course or a word course um, but really, looking at technology as how it impacts their lives and how they're going to use it in the future. Should I pause?
0: I, I think so. I, think I feel it. like I just downloaded a whole a, lot. A breath of fresh air. <laughs> and, um, well, first I just want to say it's lovely to be here in front of you. Um, if some of you haven't met actually yet, I was the head of lower school in previous years, and I'm in a new position as the assistant head of school. And that means that I'm responsible for three buckets, if you will. So curriculum development, professional development, and diversity, equity, and inclusion work at foot. And it's nice because they all kind of fold in together and support and reinforce each other. So when Chrissy offered for me to kind of step in and speak to social studies, I said, let me, let me wait and let me go up here. And what I meant by that is I wanted to back up and just talk a little bit about process. So some of these things are, as Chrissy said, they're things that we've been doing and we're getting better at doing those things. And we're actually proposing some novel things that we haven't done before. So for example, as part of the science program for kindergarten, first and second grade, and moving into third grade, we're going to be having chickens on campus next year. And we're going to fold that into the curriculum. So they've, they've always been hatched in kindergarten. They've always done an organism study. The chickens will stay. The first graders will really study them more in depth. They've always had a bird unit. But now they're going to have like their own live sample objects right on campus. The second graders have a science unit on soils and composting. And they're going to have the the joyful task of building up our compost with the um, chicken's remains and, and studying that and what impact that has. And then third grade is going to make some decisions about, what do we do with the eggs? Are we going to sell the eggs? Are we going to donate the eggs? Are we going to make bread with the eggs? And so that's going to be folded into our programming. How do these decisions come to be? Every year, we have two discipline areas that we take on for deep study and reflection. And we look outside of ourselves to see what's best practice. What are things we should be contemplating? So last year, we looked at social studies and I'm going to, what was it, social studies and math? Math, thank you. Um, And actually, the conversations continue. That's what my pause was about. And that's where the, the kind of refining our philosophy came from. What we realized was there's this huge affective piece to learning math. A lot of children arrive to math thinking, I'm not a math person, I can't do it. And so the committee, which um, was comprised of faculty members from grades K through nine, came together and we had a study group. We focused on reading Joe Bowler's book, Mathematical Mindsets. Now if you've been to any of Heather's gigs, you've heard that name. She has a website, she has resources for parents. I encourage you to check it out. So her name is Joe Bowler. She's a mathematician and an educator out of Stanford. Um, and her research is really quite phenomenal. But what she says is basically that anyone and everyone can do math. And we as a society need to step away from reinforcing the message that there's only a selective smart people, few smart people out there who can do math at deep and kind of high levels. And so that's what we're really digging into that and working on that. And that's where these philosophy statements and some of the shifts in homework, shifts in timed assessments, like we're walking that back quite a bit. Um, so we're making some real change in our programming. Social studies, we took on the teaching tolerance framework, so the Southern Poverty Law Center has wonderful educational resources to support schools in teaching anti-bias practices to children, and so we've actually taken that, and that's where those four questions came from, and we're saying, we've done that work, we wanna really align that and make it coherent and cohesive, Um, and we focused specifically this year on the action piece. So we have, who am I? All identity work that starts in kindergarten, body mapping, persona dolls. We have, who are you? That folds in again in kindergarten, continues in first and second grade with a comparative studies and moves all the way up through ninth grade. Um, How do we share the world? So how do we share limited resources? How do we resolve conflict? How do we occupy the same space in kind of peace and community? And then how do we shape the world? What do we do to ensure that there's social justice? And how do we, create the world that we'd like to see. And so we're really focusing on the action piece and asking our children, both large and small, how can you create the community within the classroom? How can you take that to the playground? How can you take that to New Haven? And how can you take that to the broader world? Um, So in November, the uh, Social Studies Committee hosted a session for the faculty to really dig into that and think about meaningful opportunities for their children and then in the spring, all of the faculty members are gonna get off campus and actually engage in their own service learning project. So that's math, social studies. Um, What are we doing this year? We're doing language arts. Um, We are still wrestling with big topics. We've looked at the survey that we sent out to folks. Some of the things that we've heard from you that we're thinking about is how can we align our work from grades K through nine and be developmentally appropriate. Again, that speaks to Chrissy's reference of like K2 being a special foundational skills niche, and then three through five is more application of skills, and then six through nine being more, you know, kind of stretching that even further. Um, So we're looking at alignment, we're looking at some of our assessment practice and making sure that carries all the way through. We're also looking more deeply at our writing practice. Grammar comes up every time we send out a survey, so we're we're thinking about how we can structure that. more consistently and ensure the kids have kind of the mechanical skills uh, across the board. In um, technology, we that's the other CRC that's running this year, we are thinking uh, really intentionally about, again, K2, what are the experiences children need to have with technology in K through two? Maybe they don't need to have so much screen time. Maybe what we need to do is think about children who either need enrichment or Uh, a little bit of support and really strategically provide them with resources that are exceptional and adaptive to reinforce those skills. So that's what we're thinking about. What could come to mind is Lexia, Dreambox, and maybe peeling away some of the other screen time. That doesn't mean that we're not doing design thinking and STEAM and problem solving. We're still really thinking about the kids being creative and that's folded into the kind of interdisciplinary um, process that we have here. Um, In grades three through five, we're thinking about how can we more intentionally, and this folds into that extra period in third grade and having the kids have a time outside in science class, it's not exclusively science, it's also technology. So how can they design, build, create, solve problems, how can they start to dabble in coding and robotics and some of the things that are going to support them moving forward. And then in the middle school, we're really thinking about pulling out uh, dedicated time for kids to have those experiences, and what's been interesting, there's been a lot of discussion about like, is, it, is, the pri- is the right way to approach this through electives or is it about a generalized experience for everyone? There have been conversations about gender. How can we make sure that the, the girls are getting the support and feeling that technology and science is accessible to them and that they can be leaders in this area? So we haven't completed our work yet, but that's kind of the, the thinking that we're engaging in. Um, I would also offer that folded into all of this work is a real phenomenal commitment from the faculty and staff regarding diversity, equity, and inclusion. So we have more than 20 people who have been off to the People of Color Conference in recent years to to get training. We've had folks to Manhattan to get training. Um, And we're thinking about diversity in every kind of way, shape, and manner. So whether we're talking about differentiating for different learning styles, or whether we're talking about race and ethnicity, or religious background, and that also informs our social studies programming. So again, back to the concentric circles, there are a couple of things that came back from families. One, we want more civics. We want our children to understand how government works and what their role is in being a, you know, a, a stand-up citizen. And so that is very intentionally being folded into the third grade program. Um, they're gonna have a, a dedicated time when we're thinking about what citizenship means. And then carrying throughout the third grade program, there's going to be a focus on leadership and being a change maker. Once you know how systems work, what is your role in changing things if things aren't right and fair? Um, In fourth grade, we're moving towards continuing to study. So the third grade will focus on a, a local study of Connecticut, uh, civics and how that folds into how uh, Connecticut functions and how pe- people make rules and establish community and, and um, all, of, all those types of things. Then they're going to move into kind of studying the United States in a more natural way. Um, and part of the intention here is that the, animal, the Australian Animal Project was something that the children really loved and the teachers are wed to. So they're going to continue to do their studies about animals and adaptations, but they're going to focus on the United States and different biomes and ecosystems to explore those adaptations. So we're kind of staging things with that concentric circle opening up in a more meaningful way. So we'll go from Connecticut to the natural world of the United States. Then in fourth grade, we're going to focus exclusively on fourth grade, but on the people who live here who lives here, how did they come to be here, and what have their contributions been? So we can really open up and be a little bit more equitable in terms of people's journey stories, and how they came to, to make the United States as special as it is. Um, in fifth grade, we used to do a, uh, a unit on ecology, and then we would move into ancient Egypt and ancient Greece. We have taken the ecology, moved it into science, and now we're doing a unit on an- the ancient Mayans, ancient Egypt, Ancient Greeks. So we're trying to expand and support the children having a broader view of the world. Um, in sixth grade, they continue to do their study of the, um, the Festival of the World, where they do a deep dive into a country that they study. But now we're connecting things more explicitly with the math program and doing statistics and talking about challenges that exist in that country or numbers and how, again, demographic studies and being more intentional about making an interdisciplinary connection. Seventh grade continues to be a study of um, these United States and the kind of the, the first people um, and then the, the folks who have um, colonized the United States and then moving up through um, the 1800s and the Civil War broadening that view for kids, having them think from different angles and perspectives about you know, what, what does that mean? What would it have meant to have been an enslaved person back then? And what is the legacy of that um, nowadays? Eighth grade is a focus on social justice um, through a racial lens, through a gender lens, through a socioeconomic lens. Ninth grade is a cultural competency class preparing the children for going to China. Unfortunately, this year we're not going to China. But um, there's a deep commitment to making sure that the kids have an equitable, an equitable, no, an equal kind of experience somewhere else this year since they can't go to China. Um, I'm sorry, I talk so much because I'm really excited about it and as I said, the teachers have been fabulous partners in really engaging in this work. Um, and you know, I'm in the Milikowski building where the tech lab is, where John Turner is, and you're welcome to come and visit anytime. I'll stop talking. And turn it over to you and you can get to the good stuff about staffing who's teaching what next year
1: so um, part of what has come out of some of the curricular initiative work that beth was referring to has to do obviously with what she was explaining and i've alluded to some really intentional programmatic move in terms of what we're asking of teachers and to do that that requires us to think about how not only who we're placing in certain grade levels but also how we're supporting those individuals So one thing I would like to start with is talking a little bit about how we're supporting teachers. Um, And so we have support for students that lives and resides in our LSP program. And we have some really incredible um, resources in our faculty there. We have decided, um, actually uh, Beth had started a while ago, to have Tracy Ritulo work with our kindergarten teachers or in our early years specifically as we were getting the foundation's work up and underway next year we're going to expand that role for her a little bit and have her much more intentionally in terms of the scope of her time on campus working in those grade levels k one and two and supporting teachers in terms of how we look at these elements of our balanced literacy approach she'll continue to support them with the foundations but she's also going to be working with them on the guided reading instruction and some of the other work that we're going to be putting underway other members of the lsp staff will also be helping in that initiative but tracy specifically is going to be the sort of point person in terms of those early years. So we focused on that in the early years, and as I mentioned, it's no less important in our three through five years. We have actually asked Ashley Snobble to take on a role to do similar work with our third through fifth grade teachers and students. So Ashley will be working with our third through fifth grade teachers next year, pushing into classrooms, supporting teachers in the work that they're doing around literacy, their small group instruction, their word study, their writing, And she will also be working with students individually or as part of the LSP program as well. But similarly, their two positions will really mirror each other across the division. One, to make sure we're executing on the things we want to do in terms of literacy and supporting the teachers in helping them to sort of do the things that we're sort of laying out and saying that is critical to our programming. So what does that mean in terms of the other grade levels? So we know that Alexandra and Susan are going to remain as our two kindergarten teachers. Um, Donna and Lynn will remain associates down at that grade level as well. In first grade next year, we're going to have Margie working in first grade with Melissa McCormick. And we've asked Eleanor Evans to be the associate in that grade level. Um, And we're very excited. For those of you who don't know, Eleanor spent some time in our LSB program this year helping out on a maternity leave, and we feel her experience and her background um, is a really wonderful fit for helping and working with our first grade learners. In second grade, we're going to have the last year of our looping model, so we still have Hillary and Kim working with Felicia in second grade. In third grade, we're going to have a team comprised of Amanda Diffley, Chester Sharp, and Kara Hames. And we've asked Susie Grimes to be our third-grade associate next year um, to partner with our third-grade teachers in the program that they're going to provide. In fourth grade next year, we're going to have Mr. Kleime, we're going to have um, Ms. Quinn, and we're gonna have Mr. Welch still in, um, in fourth grade. And for, it means for fifth grade, um, we have Mr. Solomon, we have um, Mr. Burt, we have Miss Payne, and we have Mr. Adams. Um, so um, that is sort of the lay of the land for the lower school. Am I leaving anything out? Um, in terms of what we're looking at programmatically um, and where our teachers are going to be. Um, The one piece that we haven't talked about yet is our after-school program and I said that there were some intentional sort of programmatic pieces that were going in place. So when I talk about um, our associates for next year, the associates play a very critical role to our programming during the school day. We also feel that there are some really strong benefits for having our after-school staff be comprised in part by some of our associates. So we are going to be making an intentional shift to have our associate's hours staggered and shifted in different ways that will allow them to be um, part of our after-school program. So in kindergarten, we will have an associate that will be on campus from eight to four, again, here to greet the kids and support in the classroom, but also help with the transition into our after-school program. Um, Our other kindergarten associate will be here 9.30 to five, again, to allow that individual to stay all the way to the end of after school and be a constant staff member for them as well. Um, In the other grade levels, so first, second, and third, the hours are going to be staggered as well. Um, One, to support our bus room. Um, So there will be one associate from those grade levels who will come and be here at 7.30 to support the bus room. And there will be other associates who will have hours of 9.30 to 5.30 to be able to support and be members of our our after school programming as well. Um, We feel like this is a really important move Um, And a really thoughtful move um, in terms of thinking about that continuity. Um, We are one school. After school program is still foot school, and we think it's important for our children to have that familiar face that continues through their day. Um, And also, um, you know, just in terms of again, it's not like sort of a separate something that's part of another part of who we are. Um, We're all sort of together in that effort.
0: Right. I I would offer that. um, So. A couple of years ago we did an after school study and what we learned is that most schools staff their after school with their associates and they shared back with us that it really enhances the quality of the supervision, the relationships with families, with the children and so we really think that this is going to be a a smart move on our part.
1: Foot School podcasts are a production of
0: The Foot School, an independent school for grades K to 9 in New Haven, Connecticut. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a rating and review while you're there. It will help other people find our podcast. Find more information at www.footschool.org. Thank you for listening.